The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. God is watching you. He's making decisions for eternity about where you're going to live. There aren't going to be any halfway Christians in the New Jerusalem. There aren't even going to be any lukewarm Christians. Are you on fire for God? Are you earnestly seeking after Jesus with all of your heart? Or are you completely absorbed in all of the activities that are going on around you? Are your eyes on Jesus? This morning in the early hours, I was praying about this broadcast today. The Lord was very clear with me. I want your full attention. So I'm coming today and saying, heads up. The Lord is calling for an absolute, total, complete, full surrender to Him. Time, energy, money. No no more halfway Christians. No more part-time Christians. He's making decisions now about your life. You don't hear, you don't see it's being done in the heavenlies. But he's deciding about you. We are coming down to the end of earth's history. We are, we are going to see the judgments of God fall. We are going to see economic disaster and disruption. We're going to see famine in America. We are headed for a very, very difficult time, not only financially, but in terms of storms and weather. 
we're going to see the most unusual things taking place in the next six months. And God is watching. He's watching you. And he's going to make a decision about you. The question is not and has never been, will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The question has always been, will Jesus accept you? Will Jesus accept your behavior and your attitude? Because he's watching. His angels are recording every part of your life, every event. You have no privacy from heaven. He has to know exactly what is in your heart to determine whether or not you will be safe in the eternal kingdom above or if your place is with the angels of darkness and Satan himself being cast into the lake of fire. That decision is being made for you. It's contingent upon whether or not you will give Jesus your full attention. Can I say this very kindly? Until you have this question settled once and for all, and you hear the Holy Spirit, and you walk in the power of Jesus, you shouldn't be doing anything else. It means turning off the news. It means turning off the television. It means turning off the internet. It means shutting down and getting with Jesus in prayer, in fasting, and reading of the word, and then walking out in obedience what you hear him say to you. I want to go back today to the story of King Saul. And welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I'm going to share with you some very, very exciting things. Things that I have never seen before that he has uncovered for me in just the last few days. It's astonishing to me his mercy, his love, his grace. I'm astonished by God. I'm in awe of our Father and of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. We'll begin in 1 Samuel, the 13th chapter. Saul has just been made king. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I've already covered that last week. But let's look now at some highlights, because there's a portion of Scripture I want to share with you that I've never seen before. It's never hit me before. So Samuel gives him very specific instructions about waiting seven days. But when he sees the people scattering and he doesn't see Samuel showing up, he decides he has to provide the burnt offering and the peace offering. He has stepped into the role of the king priest. He doesn't know it, but he stepped in it big time because only Jesus is the king priest. Samuel comes and says, You have done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord God. Now your kingdom shall not continue. So he's being told, because you have stepped in it, because you have made this decision based on what people are saying, based on what other people are doing, and not on what Jesus, through the Lord God of heaven, through the prophet Samuel, has said to you. The next story that begins to get right at the heart of this is when the Lord God of heaven tells Saul, that he's to go take out the Amalekites because of their treatment of the Israelites as they were coming up through the wilderness from Egypt. He's told to go and utterly destroy all of the people, all of the sheep, the oxen, the lambs, everything. He's to kill everything. So he does. He attacks the Amalekites. 
God gives him a great victory. This was not a by chance victory. This was God's hand. But he was unwilling to utterly destroy them. He saved Agag the king. He also saved the best of the sheep and the oxen, the lambs. He kept them. So Samuel comes to see him. In the interim, he has gone to Mount Carmel and he has set up a monument in honor of his victory as the heathen kings did. Now when Samuel comes in 1 Samuel the 15th chapter, verse 13, Saul says to Samuel, Blessed are you of God. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel says, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen I hear? Saul said, They brought them from the Amalekites. The people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. Women, women, women. Who's king? He's putting it on the people now. In other words, he wanted to please the people, not the Lord. Now, this is always the dividing point. Are you going to please the people or are you going to please the Lord God of heaven? You probably will not be able to please both. It's only a very small portion of those who will say, we support the Lord God of heaven. Whatever he calls for, we will do. Whatever he says, we will obey. Most people don't want to obey the Lord. They have their own interests. And so he says to him, in verse 19, Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? See, this whole story of Saul is about Saul deciding for himself based on what the people are saying. He wants to be popular. He wants to be successful. He wants to be somebody. And so he's taking that step of pleasing the people and doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord's going to make a decision about Saul. This was in reality his second chance. God is going to give this man three chances, three strikes, and he's out. This is strike number two. He says to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, let's be really honest with each other, could we? You know, if there is some area of your life where you are not obeying the word of the Lord. As the man says, you know, I'm still drinking alcohol. He knows he should not do that. He knows the Lord told him to cut it off, but he's still doing it. He says, I can't stop. Wrong. In Christ, the victory is there. The truth is, he doesn't want to stop. He likes his lazy lifestyle. Or are you watching pornography? Or are you walking in anger with someone and giving them a piece of your mind? Are you demanding your rights? Are you standing up for what you think you deserve and what you're entitled to? And the Holy Spirit has come to you and said, Why are you acting this way? And you turn them aside. Every time I ask someone this question, almost every person will answer affirmatively. When I say, and if I could see you today, the first question I would ask, I would ask you, are you clean with Jesus? Or are there areas of your life where you know you're in the wrong? 
almost every time I ask someone that question. They answer by saying, yes, there are areas in my life I'm working on. Nobody can be perfect. Well, they just made a sole excuse to continue walking in their sin because they love their sin more than they love Jesus. More than they love Jesus. And Jesus is watching, and he will make a decision about your eternity based on the answer to that question. Are you clean with Jesus? The blood is there to provide the total washing. Everything has been given through the divine promises of God in First Peter, the first chapter. Everything is given. Everything is there for you. There's no reason for defeat. You cannot be tempted beyond what you can bear. The scriptures say God will never let that happen to you. Ah, question is, who do you love? Who do you play your life to? Are you playing your life to people? Or are you playing your life to Jesus? He begs Samuel to return with him that he might worship the Lord. And Samuel says, no, I'm not going to return with you to worship. Because he knows it's false worship. Well, as Samuel turns to go, Saul seizes the edge of his robe and it tears. And the horrible words are uttered by Samuel. Your kingdom is given to one better than you. And Saul responds, verse 30, this is 1 Samuel fifteen thirty. I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people. Again, he's not falling down on his face before God. He's not repenting of loving the applause of people. He wants the approval of others. He wants their affirmation. He wants their glory to come to him. He's in trouble. He's in deep trouble. Judgment has been pronounced upon his life. When you go to 1 Samuel, the 28th chapter, Saul has gathered the army together to meet the Philistines. Saul inquires of the Lord, and the Lord does not answer him. He doesn't give him a dream. He doesn't use the Urim. He doesn't use a prophet. No word comes to Saul's heart about this battle. So Saul says, find me a woman who's a medium, a witch, and I'll go inquire of her. In other words, I'm going to have a word of direction from the spiritual realm that will tell me what I'm to do. He's come down now to his final choice. He's told he's going to die. And then his final act, before he goes to battle, is to sit down and put his feet under the witch's table. Remember in Psalm 23, where King David, in writing that poem, probably as a a young man out taking care of the sheep, he said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David knew that he had to keep his feet under the table of the Lord. He knew that that was where he belonged. He did not belong with the witch of Endor. So let me share with you now 
the outcome of of this sad story. We find in 1 Samuel 31, in the battle, the Philistines are pressing hard after him. They killed Jonathan and his two other brothers. The battle became very fierce against Saul, and the archers hit King Saul. He was severely wounded. And he said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. He still has a judgment against the Philistines when he himself has turned totally against the living God of heaven. But because of his religion, he thinks he's superior. Because of his religion, he thinks he's going to escape now into an easy death. His armor-bearer refuses. So the scriptures tell us that he positioned his sword and fell against it and died. He committed suicide. This is a tragic story. How do we deal with it? Well, let me share with you what I've really been wanting to say through this whole broadcast. It's found in First Chronicles, the 10th chapter. Here again, we hear the story of what happened to King Saul and his sons. But it's another version. In the 10th chapter of First Chronicles, in the 13th verse, so Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore he, the Lord, killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. God was watching. God was watching each decision King Saul made. Now, the interesting part, I don't know if you caught it, that has so caught my heart. It says in verse 14, but he did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he killed him. Well, didn't he inquire of the prophet? Didn't he inquire of the Urim and the Thummim? Didn't he inquire? Yes, he did. What he did not do is go before the Lord and repent for his wickedness. What he did not do was build an altar unto the Lord for his own private use, not as the king, and offer a sin offering before Almighty God and plead for forgiveness. All Saul was interested in was getting the victory. And when he, couldn't, when he could not get the victory, all he was concerned about was, these people will abuse me, let me die. He really didn't want to be with the Lord God of heaven. He didn't want to inquire of God about his own salvation. Some of you, you'll pray and ask God to bless you. You'll pray and ask God to give you the money you need or whatever it is that you're praying about. You'll pray about Mr. Trump. You'll pray about Jerusalem. You'll pray about the church. But have you ever gotten down on your face before God and finally got honest with him about your own wicked heart? your own divided heart. The Lord God of heaven today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is calling for an unconditional surrender on your part. He wants you. He loves you. And he wants you. And he's done everything in his power 
to provide an avenue of escape for you. But you're very concerned about your job. You're very concerned about your home and your car and your finances and your health. You're concerned about all kinds of things. Are you concerned about Jesus and how he thinks about you and how he feels about you? Are you concerned about the decision that God is now making in the heavenly realm about your eternal destiny? You keep going back and going back and going back to the same old sins. Why do they mean that much to you? Are you that enamored by them? Are you, are you that satisfied with what you get out of that wickedness? Some of you just want to escape. You don't want to think. You don't want to feel. Let's go to a movie. Let's watch the football game. Let's do this. Let's do that. You just want to escape. You want to veg because there's so much in your heart you don't want to face. You can't stand the silence. When will you finally say, Lord, Let's do business, you and me. Let's look at areas in my heart that I have left closed and sealed off from your Holy Spirit. Let's look at those areas where I have refused to give you access, where I've continued in my old ways in my determination that I will have what I want and I will do what I want and I will be what I want to be. And the result is your heart is lukewarm or cold. There's no fire burning. What are you going to do? when the day of judgment comes for you. For God is now making choices and decisions about about you. About you. And the choices or the decisions that he makes will not be based on what you think or what you feel. Those decisions will be based on what you do They will not reflect your belief about yourself. They will reflect the reality that God sees in your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you speak to other people, how you you act. All of that flows out of your heart. Every unclean thing flows out of your heart. It doesn't come by accident. You don't just happen to do it again. You don't just happen to fall into sin. One man said to me, Pastor, I just can't help myself. I keep falling into sin. I said, no, 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 no. You never fall into sin. You jump into sin. You make a decision. It may be unconscious because you've made it so many times before, but you've got to stop at some point and say, no more unconscious choices. I will choose to serve Jesus, and I will belong to Jesus alone. Now, there's another story in Scripture that I want to share with you today. It's the story of the king of Syria who is very upset with Elisha because every time he sets a trap to capture the king of Israel, Elisha sends word and says, Beware, don't go to that place for the Syrians are coming down there. They're waiting in ambush. And the king 
would send someone down just to spy it out, and there were the, there were the the Syrians. Well, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this, and he called his servants together, and he said to them, "Which of you?" are for the king of Israel. Which of you are betraying us? And one of the servants said, O none, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. God can hear the words you speak in your bedroom. And he sometimes will tell a prophet, what those words were. So the king is angry and he says, go and see where he is and I'm going to send the troops and I'm going to capture him. I'm going to take him. So he sent horses and chariots and a great army. They came by night and they surrounded the city where Elisha was staying and very early in the morning he arose And there was the army when he got up surrounding the whole city. And his servant was very upset. Oh, my master, what shall we do? He answered, do not fear those who are... Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This is uh, 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. And we're reading verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of the chariots and horses of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people I pray with blindness. And the Lord struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, Oh, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, would you open the eyes of these men that they may see? And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw they were inside Samaria. Now, when the king of Israel saw all of this, <coughs> pardon me, when the king of Israel saw this, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you've taken captive with your own sword and your own bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And then he that is the king, prepared a great feast for them. And they ate and they drank and he sent them away and they went back to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now what's so astonishing to me about this is that Elisha could see into the heavenly realm and he made his decisions based on what he saw in that heavenly realm. So when Elisha got up this morning and he looked out, he saw the army of the Syrians, but he also saw God's army. He had spiritual eyes and he could see. But the servant was blind. He could not see. Now how does this fit with Saul? Saul was blind, he couldn't see. And he kept making choices and decisions in the physical realm for his own popularity, his own success, not for the kingdom of God and not for the invisible spirit realm that he was working in and that God was moving in with great power. And God made a decision about King Saul and said, I'm going to kill him. This was his third chance. When he went to the witch of Endor, he sealed his fate, and God said, that's it. It's over. He didn't need to go to the witch of Endor. He could have gotten on his face before God 
and he could have repented for his wickedness. But he had so sealed himself into his course of action that he would not repent, he would not turn back. He knew what he knew, and what he knew took him to hell. I'm very fearful that some of you know what you know, and what you know will take you to hell. Because you're blind in the spirit realm, you don't see what God is doing. I've been crying out to God because I feel so blind in the spirit realm. I feel so hard of hearing. I've been saying, oh God, give me eyesight in the spirit realm. Give me hearing to hear your word. And that's when he said to me, Give me your full attention. Give me your full attention. And I said, yes, Lord. See, I've always wanted to know what's what's happening in the world. What's the news? I, I like to stay up with current events. After the Lord said that to me, I'm not following the news. I've given Jesus my full attention. I'm not anything except the scriptures, the word of God. And I'm following the prayer and the fasting and the waiting before God for the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will not give my attention to anything or anyone except the Lord God of heaven. And as he orders me, I'll act. Now the road before me in the physical realm looks utterly impossible. This week we'll begin doing offertories. I know God wants your full attention. He wants you to make an unconditional surrender to his kingdom. He does not want you to settle back in your church. He doesn't want you to settle back in what you think you know theologically. He doesn't want you to settle back in your habits and in your ways. He doesn't want you to settle back into your work and be consumed with everything that's going on in the physical realm. No, he wants your eyes on heaven. And some of you are blind and deaf and it's going to mean getting into the presence of God and staying there until God deals with your heart and utterly totally completely changes you When we look in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, let me read it for you. 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were redeemed with a price, therefore you must glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, the Savior had a body, the Savior walked on the face of the earth, but he is no longer with us. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. And he's coming and he's saying, will you give me your body that I may work through it? 
I need a body for my temple. But it must belong to me without reserve, for two persons with different wills can never live in the same body. Will you give me yours? That is a complete, a total, unconditional surrender. Will you give up your body to be the temple of the living God, the abiding place of the Holy Spirit, where he can indwell you? God paid a huge price to redeem you. Are you willing to be redeemed? King Saul was totally unwilling to allow the Holy Spirit to order his steps. He was determined that he would do it his way. He was determined it would be a halfway deal. God is not asking for a halfway situation with you. He wants you, all of you. So you go to work and you say, I'll go to work and I'll do my very best. Well, your very best is not good enough. You need the mighty power of the holy angels. You need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to come and direct your steps and show you what to say and what to do. You'll never accomplish your task without the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit as he ministers through you to the needs of others. Are you willing to make that unconditional surrender to God? Or do you want to live in your comfortable religion, in your comfortable little church, singing your little songs, and then going out and living your life as you choose, on your terms, in your way? Or do you want the Lord? Again, we go to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. You know this passage, but let's put it in context for today. Romans 12. I summon you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service. Your spiritual service is not preaching or teaching. Your spiritual service is not ushering or passing out tracts and literature. That's not your spiritual act of service. The spiritual act of service is presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God. That's your spiritual service. Giving yourself totally and completely into the hand of God. That's the spiritual service he desires of you. Not to conform yourselves with this age, but to be transformed, that is, metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. So God, first of all, is saying, I need a body. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. I need a body to do my work. I need you. And then he's saying, present yourself uncompromisingly. Present yourself before God and say, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will go where you send me. I will say what you give me to say. I will keep my full attention on you as the living God of heaven. Now, third, in the book of Colossians, in Colossians, the third chapter, Colossians 3, 
me find it quickly. Here it is. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. You must set your mind upon the things above, not upon the things of earth. In other words, don't set your mind on your troubles. Don't set your mind on the crisis you're in, the lack of money, the sickness. Don't set your minds on anything on earth. For you died, and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. In other words, God is not going to mix himself with you. He wants your full attention and your trust in him in the heavenly realm to do with you as he wants to do according to his desire. He wants you. So let's make it very plain. God will never share your current life. You give him the right to come in full power into your life. And there are many things that are dear to you that he will not keep. He's going to clean the house. And you have to clean it before he starts. And then he'll do even more. Those favorite pastimes, he'll not keep them. He wants you. Every bit of your fallen nature is going to have to go to the cross. And then he wants to bring his own nature and his own life. It is an unconditional surrender. So what will you do? I opened this broadcast today by saying God is making choices about you. What do you think the choice is that God is now making about you? And what is the choice that you're now making about God? It can be a marriage made in heaven. I've been hearing in my heart, my mind for the last week, a house divided cannot stand. And I'm here to testify that a house divided, a friendship divided cannot stand. Where one person demands their rights, where they refuse to humble their heart, where they refuse to repent, that house cannot stand. Likewise, I can't stand in my life when I'm double-minded. I can't stand before the living God of heaven, loving the things of darkness, turning toward those things of darkness, and still claim that I'm a follower of Jesus. It won't work. The mighty hand of God wants to separate you out for himself. You wouldn't be listening to this broadcast. You'd have turned it off a long time ago if there wasn't the call of God in your heart to make an unconditional surrender. He wants you. He loves you. He died for you. But the question is, do you really want him? Do you want Jesus? That's what it boils down to. Saul said, no, I don't want the God of heaven. I want my kingdom. I want to be successful. And I want to use God to be successful. But he didn't want God. And in the final end, his true heart was revealed because he chose the powers of darkness. Those powers of darkness he was enamored by, he loved. You have to make that same choice. Do you love the powers of darkness? Do you love the risque, the unclean? Do you love the, the lust, 
the bitterness and the anger, the fighting, the arguing. Do you love all of that? Then you'll choose the witch also. Have you absolute unforgiveness in your heart towards someone you think they've wronged you and now you're angry and you're demanding your way? Then in the end, you will choose the witch. You'll choose the darkness. There are two absolute necessities. One, full unconditional surrender. Two, Forgiveness of every person who's harmed you. Turning away from from pride. Will you do that? Let's pray. Almighty God, I plead today for every person listening. You're making decisions about them today. Some may in fact die before they have another chance. And the decision they make right now will mean eternity or hell. Lord, I'm asking that you would bring each to a decision point. That they would no longer be a house divided. That they would unconditionally surrender to you, Lord that they would turn away from everything of the power of darkness and wickedness and uncleanness and that they would put their entire attention on you, Jesus, that they would be captivated by your beauty, by your compassion, by your love, by your glory. Lord, come. Mighty God, come. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. Thank you for, for listening. Would you share it with someone? A family member, a friend? Just send it on to them. Now, each day we stream live on YouTube. You can get to that by just going to Ray Greenley or National Prayer Chapel, and the YouTube will come up. The page will come up. Or you can come back to our page, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find the video and the audio, whichever you want to listen to. You can also subscribe and have it pop up on your cell phone. Well, we're out of time. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon. From falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. Before the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ.